That's a clown question, bro. Hey, what's up on you? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other... Nope. Not there. another. are no screens on this show. Over there to my actual right is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing well. Spring training is has officially started next week. Spring training games start. Um, yeah. And then, so I can't wait for like the two days where spring training games are actually exciting. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh my God, the, the, I'm... You're like, smelling baseball right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, and then on, on March 3rd, we're going to be like, oh, this sucks. Just get us to April 1st. Yeah, I, I might be going into uh, another binge of of pat baseball games of past. I actually just tuned up game four of the most recent World Series. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a good game just to have it on the background. It's it's fun. It was a good game. It was. But Never um, forget that Hunter Renfro home run with a 980 batting average. <laughs> Yeah, it was hit about 600 feet, but 2% of the time. I think it was like 448, like a line drive in the upper deck. But uh, of course, you know, 0.2, what was it, point, or no. Uh, 2%. Yeah, 2% of the time, you know, the the center fielder, or one of the outfielders just has rocket-powered jet shoes <laughs> and hops 30 feet in the air and robs it. Yeah, one of the times it's NBA Jam and the guy, the center fielder is on fire. Yeah. And he can just jump. Like through the roof of the 30 place. Feet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and grab that baseball but yeah that's a good game to watch if if you're interested if you're interested that's that's the benefit of having funny it. how that's the first thing that comes to mind when i think of that game not the <laughs> not the dodgers scoring seven runs with two outs or you know brett phillips coming through yeah or the or Randy the comedy of er- yeah the comedy of errors that happened beforehand yeah that's it that's yeah. that's all you th- that's all you can think about hunter renfro got robbed yeah. About a thousand x batting average <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i don't know if we can trust you know the we're, we're probably going to reference a lot of savant stats in this episode but can we really trust that if hunter renfro's game four world series home run only had a 98 percent hit expectancy or whatever yeah whatever you would call that hit probability um but yeah today we have a good show planned uh it starts our division previews where you know we kind of delve into what the teams are looking like and we specifically point out one particular player who you know we think the audience should be looking out for uh, in the coming future you know specifically this year and this we're going you know no offense to the NL Central but least interesting division to most interesting division NL Central ain't looking too hot uh, at the moment. So we're going to be doing that. But first, we're going to get into some news. Uh, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the Fernando Tatis Jr.? Let's do it. 14-year, $340 million extension that was that broke right in the middle of the 1988 Dodgers episode. Yeah. I had a very distinct way of breaking it to you. <laughs> yeah. I, it was very, I had no idea. I was like, Chris, don't ask any questions. Get out your calculator. Uh, what is 340 divided by 13? and your answer was like 24 or something i was like all right cool that is the average annual value of fernando tachis jr's extension i I was very i was very surprised when uh when i heard that yeah Yeah. yep um yeah a lot to get into so 
Fernando Tatis Jr. will start off by saying he's had two full years of service time. Yes, that's what I, I'm glad you got into that. I don't think I've talked to you talked to you about that, but a lot of people were saying this is this is very rushed by the Padres. He hasn't played a full season. The guy's got two full years of service time. He is ARB eligible starting next year. You might as well just get it all out of the way while you can, because this guy is a stud. So yeah, he's at. But in reference to the contract, and like, I don't know. But just some something that bugs me when people talk about it and like when people are referencing uh, Ronald Acuna's deal where he got a hundred million over eight, which still is probably a little bit of an underpay, but I don't think people realize like that he's gonna be like 30 when that go when that is up and then he's gonna get his money. And you know, the with these contracts, they're projecting the value they would have made had they been able to because basically how it goes in the MLB you can underpay the hell out of somebody for the first three years of their contract. Mm-hmm. And then Fernando, for reference, Fernando Tatis Jr. made $1 million last year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and we knew going into 2020 who he was. Yeah. So you basically get six years of control. Once you're fully, um, once you have accumulated a year of service time, you get, you know, like maybe 500,000 your first year around a million, your next two years. Then if you're a superstar in your first year of, arbitration you get 10 to 12 million again if you're a superstar you get 20 million your second year of arbitration and then maybe close to 30 million those are like the records for second and third year arbitration and like still a bit of an underpay so it makes sense that you know like a guy like Acuna would get underpaid or a guy like Tatis might get quote unquote underpaid but like yeah, let's get into yeah how how we feel how we feel about this fourteen year deal. I kind of already said it, but I mean, you can't like the the two years of service time matters so much more than most people realize because arbitration is an absolutely grueling process for so many people. I mean, you probably saw what Jack Flaherty posted on his Twitter uh, after he won his arb case. Did you see that? Um, he tweeted like the Michael Jordan gif where it said, "And I took that personally." <laughs> That's what arbitration is for players. It's literally. Your team, the people who pay you, telling you why you shouldn't be paid that much. It's like, this guy actually isn't that good if you look at it. Like, the owners would be saying this to Fernando Tatis Jr. And that can be a really grueling process for a lot of the players. You know, that can be a reason why someone doesn't want to stay somewhere because they don't feel like they're they're viewed the way they should be. The Padres didn't want to deal with that with Tatis. They wanted to just get it all out of the way and give him his money and lock him up while they can. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and you have to go through that process three times yes. if, you're, if you're maxing that out. Which Like, that's – I mean, see the Red Sox with Mookie Betts. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I remember the first year of arbitration with uh, Mookie Betts. They did not settle. They had to have an arbitrator sell, settle that. Yep. And, and Betts won it and uh, kind of started a rocky road there. So it can be – it can kind of, you know – divide team and player um in terms of how i think about i mean like i'll preface this by saying i'm pretty sure that fernando tatis jr will be one of the best shortstops and one of the best players in the game Can I, I have a take uh in in the future Go ahead, uh, or or currently but if i were the padres organization i would have you know i i agree with probably most people here i would have waited a full maybe 150 game season, but 140, 140 game season from the guy. But I, I kind of understand. Cause it's like, 
there's not much else he has to prove other than a 140 game season possibly. And I mean, what, what makes you, you know, what would lead you to believe that had, you know, 2020 been a normal year where he obviously stayed healthy, that he wouldn't have produced the same way that he did in the 60 game season. Like what, like, are you, you know, are you, you know, he did have a little slump for a couple of weeks towards the end of the year. Like, are we really going to believe that that was going to last for six months? Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily that I've tried to think of ponder of, uh, and like, yeah, I mean, he did sort of still get, uh, unlucky in the 60 games. He, his, his uh, Woba was less than his ex Woba on the year. I mean, it's possibly, uh, health. I don't know what he, what, brought, what got him out in that first year. What, one of them was on like a specific play yeah so it could be health but also you want to see how a guy carries himself through a 140 game season what you know the slumps look like if how how down he gets during the down years it's kind of cliche kind of you know old school talk but i don't know i feel like when a guy has four years left of control without a complete season on his hands, it's a little bit of a risk. Although I have said, if there's, if there's a guy you're going to take that risk with, this is the one. Yeah. Yeah. Him or like if, if Soto never played a full season or something like that. Soto or Acuna never played a full season. It's one of those three. Yeah. And although (laughs) I think there's some people on Twitter who got to chill out on a Tatis jr. The Padres Twitter really likes him they're saying like, and they should yeah but i like, remember seeing a twitter reply saying on the um oh like the lebron james comparison yeah yeah like, yeah there was yeah there was an mlb team official saying like he's the lebron james of short stops which no, <laughs> no. lebron james plays has Not, played about he's played uh what like 16 years or 17 like seasons yeah. in the league uh and like Fernando Tatis Jr. right now, as it stands, based on production from 2019 and 2020, not a probably not even a top five shortstop in the game. But you know, we're under the assumption that by this time next year, he will be. And not only will he be that, he'll be a top three shortstop, maybe even a top one shortstop. But that mm-hmm. is, I mean, he's going into his age 22 season, so realistically, that is where he's going to be. But the fact that he's starting out, you know, this way is certainly a great sign for the Padres. And, and with what the take I had. I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to end up being this generation's Ken Griffey Jr. That's a, because yeah. a lot of Ken Griffey Jr.'s legacy is just the way he carried himself on the field while still producing at a fantastic rate. And that's what Fernando Tatis Jr. does. Like people just love the way he plays the game. If you're not named Chris Woodward, you love it. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to go down that way. Especially well, especially if he stays with a team like the Padres, you know, like Griffey did with the Mariners. He sort of puts a franchise on the map. If he can get them to a World Series, that's going to be great for the game. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is, I mean, like I said, this generation's Griffey. Yeah, because it's a, it's a small market team that hasn't really had that much star power outside of uh, Tony Gwynn. Mm-hmm. And even like Tony Gwynn wasn't necessarily a star. He was just extremely good. Uh, at the game, Fernando yeah. Tatis Jr. I feel like Tony Gwynn has been easier to appreciate since he re- since he like was out of the game. Yeah, because like people have gone gone back and been like, wait a minute, like he's 
possibly the greatest like contact hitter of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't like I don't know. I mean, obviously I wasn't alive when he was playing, but like I'm really I would be curious to know like what the buzz around him was like during his prime, like when he was hitting. Maybe outside of 1994. Yeah, and to stay in a organization that wasn't really winning that much until later in his career. Well, was uh, he on the 84 Padres though? Uh, I think yeah. he would have been. Yeah, because age 38 uh, in 1998. So yeah, he would have been 24 then. Yeah. What did, what did the 84 Padres do? They, they went to the world series and then got smacked by one of the greatest tiger teams. Oh, the, yeah. The tigers. Okay. Yeah. That team started like 30 and five on the season. Yeah. I did not know that the Padres always just get matched up with the best teams in the world series. <laughs> yeah. Cause the 84 tigers were dirty and then the 98 Yankees won 114 games. Yeah. Right. That's uh that's true, but yeah, there's a there's a possibility, yeah, because Fernando Tatis Jr. already has the marketability that Ken Griffey Jr. had, and like, you know, it'll be similar in that you know Fernando Tatis Jr. probably will not be the like in all likelihood, it's not likely that anybody will be the anyone in particular will be the best player in baseball. You know, currently the, the guy is Mike Trout, and eventually that could be handed over to Mookie Betts or Juan Soto. So he might, and Tatis Jr. could be the best player in baseball eventually, but Ken Griffey Jr. wasn't, he wasn't the best player in baseball uh, at his time, but he was the most popular. Yeah. So Tatis Jr. can be that, you know, be a likable guy, be a guy that people want to want to watch. And yeah, he's already on a video game cover and it makes a lot of, a lot of sense, but the Tatis hype is pretty real. I think that's all we have to talk about with uh, Tatis Jr. He's yeah, I mean, this there. is this is a great time for the Padres, even though they're they might lose the division by ten games this year. Like they have their, they have locked up their superstar shortstop for the next for the rest of his career. They've got two young. Still, I mean, you Darvish, I guess, isn't young, but Snell is still, I think, like 26, 27. Um, they got they got some more, you know, starting pitching depth. Two great starters, nonetheless. And like, this is probably going to be the most exciting. This is probably going to be the most expectations the Padres have ever had going into a season, even without Mike Clevenger. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is the, like, this is, this is, is this the longest deal in MLB history? I think so. It's It's gotta gotta be be. right. Cause Trouts was 13 years. Harper's was 13 years. Machado's was 10 years. Stanton was 13. Arnado's is 12. Stanton was 13. Yeah. Um, Pujols was 10. Yep. Yeah. And uh, why don't that's a good transition, isn't it? Um into what uh, I'm trying to see And the Pujols. Oh yeah, Pujols. But uh Tatis is going to be thirty-five when yep. that uh I'm gonna be I'm gonna be <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be thirty-four. Yeah. We'll we'll both be yeah, thirty-four when yeah. when this contract is up. That's scary. He's like a, he's literally a year older than us. Yeah, that is scary. I don't like uh, I don't like seeing that. It makes me unpopular. Like the people that are like Wander Franco was born in March of two thousand one. Yeah, born born before. He's literally about to. He's about to turn twenty. Yeah, and it it just it just doesn't seem doesn't seem that real. No, and but, he's been the number one prospect in the league for over a year now. Yeah, which that is makes wild. me uncomfortable. Shows, shows you how good he is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that is a good transition into a man who signed a ten year deal who's. You know, when he signed when he signed that ten year deal, we probably wondered like, where are we going to be? 
once once this contract is over and he's heading into his last year of his contract yep. and uh apparently his wife said he was going to retire after the season yeah that is so, so albert Pujols, his wife posted on instagram about an hour after we were recording this saying that this is going to be his last year in the majors it is going to be his 21st uh, at the highest level and Pujols pretty much confirmed that he left like a comment on it so I guess that's all the confirmation we need Albert Pujols is going to be retiring following the 2021 MLB season we did it we did what 45 minutes to an hour on him yeah um, that was one of the first uh, one of the first players where I felt like I did a decent job on yeah like present presenting their career and it was mostly, you know, the first 10 years. but Exactly. It was. Uh, but nonetheless, this guy is an easy first ballot Hall of Famer. He is the only player in MLB history with 650 home runs and 650 doubles, mm-hmm. which is very impressive. Uh, I mean, the dude could just flat out slug like nobody else. Most, uh, most eight-win seasons through a uh, player's first uh, 10 seasons. <laughs> yep. Nice. There you go. There you go. I mean, like he is—he's in the conversation for best hitter of all time. Um, like, yeah, yeah, like I don't know if he gets that crown, but he's in the conversation. Yeah, especially like best ten-year span by a hitter. He had uh, 172 OPS plus over a ten-year span to start his career, I believe. Yep. And over time, that's tra- that's gone to I think a 130, one, 146, 140, 148, 146 OPS plus. Yeah. So. You know, it hasn't helped him, but still amazing. And yeah, like in terms of the the classic way of seeing a complete hitter, you know, his career average is 299. And I think through his first 10 years, it was around 330, which is pretty unheard of. Like that's a quite a drop. Yeah, like pretty, pretty unheard of to hit 330, like early in the 2000s. Average wasn't as high. I then even though it was offensive mm-hmm. but yeah like he could hit you know 330 with 35 home runs consistently so yeah a complete hitter could hit very good with runners in scoring position you know he's uh i forget what where he ranks all time in rbi is it second uh he has 2100 exactly i he, think he's third yeah well it's third according to baseball there's that oh yeah because it's weird yeah yeah according to baseball reference he's third but according to who's who is it like ty cobb or something uh babe ruth oh babe ruth yeah babe ruth has 2214 according to baseball reference but according to elias sports bureau uh he's below that because rbi technically did didn't not become, become a stat yeah official until 1920 and babe ruth did not get more than pujols uh after that. 1920 so that's <laughs> well maybe if he just has a 140 rbi season in his last year then we, yeah. then we can put that that question to rest yeah hopefully <laughs> maybe maybe we can do that but yeah, i don't think that's gonna happen though yeah we were, we were discussing like eh, maybe he could have caught a rod if he stuck around another year i mean it was possible i mean i don't know how he's feeling physically he seems to... I think we were all dreaming of a world where he finishes out his contract with the Angels and then goes back to St. Louis on a one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah, we were and like 
is a DH for them because yeah, because you know, the, the universal, universal DH will be coming in next year. Not only that, but he kind of took the torch from Barry Bonds after he retired because he was the 2005 National League MVP. That was also the year that he hit one 600 feet off of Brad Lidge in the playoffs. Three-time MVP. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like <laughs> he was M- MVP runner-up in two of the four years two of the four insane years by Barry Bond like if Barry Bonds doesn't exist he's probably got five MVPs (laughs) (laughs) he's got yeah like he'd have he'd have he'd end up having the most MVPs if Barry Bonds didn't exist because no one else has more than four yeah three-time MVP he's had you know uh one two three four five six seven eight seasons with an OPS above a thousand however many 30 home runs he it's crazy he's the active leader in a ton of categories hits too many to count hits runs home runs rbi walks uh he also has more walks than strikeouts by the way yeah it adds to his him him being a complete hitter he's never struck out more than uh he's never struck out a hundred times times, yeah 93 is the most in a season but yeah like yeah, that's Pujols, you know? He's one of the greats. I, I hope he gets in unanimously. I feel like... I hope he... I just worry about some Angels writer that's like, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Is like Some Angels writers going to be like, I watched him for 10 years. I definitely didn't see a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, he's like, I don't know. Uh, he, had like a, he had like a 110 OPS plus. He was like slightly above average. <laughs> He was all right, but you know, a detriment in the. Uh, in I mean, the did field. you see the? Did you see the guy that hit ahead of him? Like that's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's that's Albert Pujols, and if you want to hear more about him, episode thirty-five of uh, part one. Part part one of episode thirty-five, where we talked about Albert Pujols's career and how mm-hmm. how amazing he was. But yeah, the Angels thing probably affects his unanimity. The standard's just so high. But even though they really love Jeter and only one guy did not vote for him, but whatever. Um, do we want to talk about the guy who, you know, granted the players' union a, a lot of leverage? Yeah, let's do that. So the, the Seattle Mariners uh, have been in – not they haven't been in turmoil, but Kevin Mather, who – I guess for a long time has had a really bad reputation around the baseball community uh, came out. He had some conversations leaked uh, through the internet a couple of days ago where he basically admitted to, to using the, the service time manipulation rule that exists that'll hopefully be gone next year. He basically leaked that 2021 is going to be Kyle Seager's last year as a Mariner. He's an upcoming free agent. And he said that Julio Rodriguez, uh, he has bad English, which it's fine. He also said that he didn't like paying an interpreter for Hisashi Iwakuma, which was 75000 a year, which is not that much for a baseball organization. Yeah, I mean... it's uh, He made a really... He made a bunch of just awful comments, things that should never be said. And it sounds like... It really sounds like this is, like, more common than people realize uh, within, like, ownership of teams, front offices things of that nature. He also has like workplace sexual harassment, like claims against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all, it is just very bad. Yeah. I mean, 
the the sexual harassment claims is like you know I can't really comment on that because it's whatever him against other people's words and if it's true then definitely yeah he should probably not be not be there but like I can't really get angry at him saying things that a lot of people know and it's like there's 29 other or you know maybe not every organization but there's probably 29 other people in his position that are saying the exact same thing behind yeah. closed doors and I guess he went against pro I mean like if you're if if that's out there and you're saying it then I guess prop props to you but it's wrong it's wrong that those ideas are out there yeah uh the fact that they're being said this is not really no in, this is not really, not really new information to any any of us and you know if you're the mariners you're upset definitely but i don't really get outside of the mariners campaigning against him because he's really exposing a lot of truths actually he's around the game yeah you know in terms like he's being like it, it's it's almost as if the players union hired him like hired him as a hit to file grievances against major league baseball and all that stuff it it seemed pretty ridiculous but like uh i, I wouldn't be upset if i was not like in the mariners front office because this is just true stuff that's being said behind closed doors. It's going to give the players so much leverage. Yeah. Because next offseason is going to be one of the most anticipated of all time. And not because of any free agents, not because of anyone potentially out on the trade market, because of what's going to go down between the players union and ownership in Major League Baseball. Because the, the collective bargaining agreement, uh, it ends next year mm -hmm. and they have to propose a new one. They remember, I remember it was in between 2016 and 17. There was like, people forget, we were very close to actually like going into the first stage of having a player strike between those two seasons because the CBA was completed like two hours before the deadline. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's going to be very tough to work out because we all know the discrepancies that have been throughout the past, we'll say the last year, I guess. I think it, it peaked in like July, like June, July of last year. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's sort of continued a little bit into this off season, but you know, the universal DH is at stake. The service time manipulation, I'll get into that in a second, uh, but that's ideally going to be over. You know, I think the only team that's really ignored the, the existence of that is the Chicago White Sox over the last few years, which is interesting because they tend to have a very old school sort of mindset within the front office there. So I think it's kind of weird that they're the one team that's bypassed that. And I mean, just the, you know, just labor, labor unions, stuff like that, you know, the, all of it's going to be very, very interesting next off season. Yeah. And if I'm, if, if I wanted to put the tinfoil hat on, which I, this is, I'm prefacing this by saying this is a ridiculous idea, but if I'm, if I'm putting the tinfoil hat on this, uh, Kevin Mathers Mather guy was tired of his job. He did not want to. He did not want to be in the scummy organization and the scummy business as it was. So he's just, you know, he's just going to drop all the information that frustrated him about the business because this is not his money that he's spending, right? No, it's not. He's the, he's like the chairman CEO, I think. So he's, you know, basically President. being, being the, um, the parrot for the owners and what they're actually thinking. 
this is not this is not any of his money. I but... can't picture Jerry Depoto like being super on board with this though. Like I can't picture him. Like he's a very young guy. He's very active, uh, you know, in analytics and stuff like that. And just well, that's age. just that's just the general. Manager. That is just the general manager, but that's sort of someone who gets associated with all you know those decisions. I mean, ju- uh, I mean, yeah, I get we're talking about like owners here, which is yeah. different, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Jerry Jerry Depoto, like he's probably frustrated with this narrative that's being repeated by him more than anybody because he can't really he's been able to you know he's considered a pretty good gm but he still can't develop a playoff team because he doesn't have enough money um you know i guess he's been making the moves to do so it's been a combination of people just not producing and not being you know given the funds to do so by his front office yeah so i mean i can't i can't really get mad at at what Kevin Mathers saying, because it's all completely true. It's just, you know, horrifying to a lot of people because, you know, are you talking about like the, the translator stuff? The translator stuff was like, kind of just, it was was kind of stupid. That was unnecessary. Yeah. And, and like the Julio Rodriguez English being bad, like you did not need to say that. Yeah. That was, that was the most offensive thing. Yeah. Like the service time manipulation, like, like, like why would i mean if you're in his position like it feel like it's a tool that you would use to gain an advantage for your your team from a front office level yeah like it make like i understand using it when it's there but it's just you know it's something that shouldn't be in place yeah and i think i think that's what you're talking about when you say you can't be mad at what he's saying yeah yeah and like the things kevin mather is saying and i'm not talking about any of the translator stuff because that's probably that's, that's just in inhu- that's inhumane and just yeah it's just a stupid thing to say but this this stuff this is these are not his ideas this is stuff that yeah. he's been hearing from the front office and um i can't get mad at him talking about the service time man- manipulation kyle seager being overpaid uh according to him and the mariners that was a five-year 100 million dollar deal um for reference i can't get mad at him uh, talking about yeah like julio rodriguez yeah we're gonna keep he's not gonna earn his way onto the team in 2021 just because that's how it's gonna be this is stuff he's been hearing around the yeah front this office. is not it's this is tip of the iceberg type stuff yeah like this these are things that are being said behind closed doors and he said it out loud he probably took some things a little too far but yeah if you're the mariners you gotta fire him but <laughs> well he resigned or yeah you you know one of the one of the two is gonna happen yeah, and that's what ha- he ended up resigning before the Mariners had a chance, and they were going to they were going to fire him. There was no way in hell he was going to remain a member of the organization after that. Yeah, I mean, I found it weird. Uh, like I read, uh, Ken Rosenthal put out a thing last night on the Athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand. Um, I understand that the translator stuff, the translator things he said, or the things regarding the translator he said was probably wrong, but. I, I like. I don't know why you're getting mad at that. If you're the Mariners, like you are, like the Mariners are known for being the number one like import of mm-hmm. of you know Japanese or Asian Asian players. Like you know they had Ichiro. Ichiro needed a translator the entire mm-hmm. time he was there. Yeah. You know they have Iwakuma. They have Kikuchi now. Like they've had uh, a, quite the slew of guys mm-hmm. from Japan coming in. I don't understand why that team of all of all teams is complaining about using the translator because they're the ones that produce the most players that turn out to need them yeah it's it's weird and that's just with that and that's just with that 
you know, nationality. Like, there's obviously Latin players as well, which every team has. Yes. Yeah, like every team has players. Every team has players that need a translator, especially when, as a player, you're you're you are to be held accountable for everything you do on the field, and you need to talk to the media every single day. Like, you get you know, it gets exhausting you know, trying to fit in in this league while also trying to learn a new language. So that's why those translators are there and they're necessary. Yeah. And the, the last thing I'll say is I don't understand like Ken Rosenthal or Jeff Passan coming out, calling for the um, disbanding of Kevin Mather and the Mariners based on saying, you know, Kyle Seeger's overpaid, uh, you know, Logan Gilbert and Jared Kalenic. You'll see them in mid-April. I don't understand them s- calling out for the firing of this guy based on those particular comments because they were referenced in well i think it's it's the other two things it was most of the other two things but those things were mentioned and i i don't know why that's something where a writer should come out and call for the firing of a guy because he's exposing uncomfortable truths about yeah i mean like this is it's a frustrating reality as a baseball fan that this is what this game is from a from a business level uh, and I know that, you know, the CBA next year, ideally that'll go away. I think, you know, we all remember, we all remember how good Chris Bryant was in spring training in 2015 right, and how yeah. heartbroken we all were that he was going to start the season in the minors. And then he came up on like mm-hmm. April 16th or whatever it was. He, literally, I think it's, a, I think his service time is like 5.171. And yeah. if, uh, if you don't know the service time necessary to, get a full year of service time is 172 days and yeah, five years, 171 yeah, days. Exactly on the dot. I mean, it's, it's uh, very, very obvious. Yeah. Like it's, I like if you're, you know, if you are a front office person, an owner, a chairman, a president, like it's a, it's there for you to use. And you know, it's going to, it's going to better your team from a front office level. It's going to screw your players in the long run, like Chris Bryant probably wishes, uh, maybe not ex- exactly this season, but Chris Bryant could have gone out and got his money this offseason. Yeah, he could have. And, you know, he's he'd be a year younger. He'd have more value. Exactly. Um, but that's not that's uh, not the case. And, yeah, you know, it's he's exposing the uncomfortable truths. There are some things that he probably shouldn't have put in there. And I think he, he's had, you know, so – yeah. And I've, well, I've heard multiple. Yeah. And they were reported like years ago. Yeah. Not like, now. this is not, this is not just like now that it's out, yeah. you know, we're going to say this, like these were, these are old claims. Yeah. Back in uh, 2018. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's, is, is that all we have on the uh, Kevin Mather situation? Yeah. I'd say that's about it. It's, that was a very interesting thing that popped up. Yeah, uh, it was. Cause like, um, shout out to John boy who <laughs> did a breakdown of it. Yeah. Cause he, he found it. He found the, brutal honesty pretty uh crazy as well but yeah now we get into the, a more a more lighthearted topic the things that we're pretty good at i think above replacement at uh national league Nas- national league central preview we're gonna specify one player to to look at but you know we'll start off by talking about kind of where each team is at not not too in depth but you know they're their record last year, uh, who they lost, who they added. Um, so we'll start off uh, uh, ascending is the is the word you would say from the bottom to the top. 
We'll start off with the worst team in baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Kumars. <laughs> yes. Who By the be... way, did you see his outing today? Um, he had eight strikeouts for, through his first four innings. Did he pitch or was it Jack Leiter? They both pitched. Oh, Jack yeah. Leiter came in in relief. That's that's amusing. I should be more focused on that as a yes. fan of the uh, Boston Pilgrims. Um, <laughs> the Boston Americans. The, the Boston Red Stockings. The Red Stockings, uh, who uh, I particularly enjoy their baseball. Um I should be more focused on he that. Was, but yeah. Jack Leiter was hitting uh, 99, 100. He was like sitting 98, 99, topping out at 100. <laughs> I mean, what, like, what's the potential there? Like, he's probably going to add a couple before he reaches the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> and he might add a pitch, another pitch or two. Yeah. Oh, man. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. But, but, yeah, and he's close to our age as well. That's scary. Is, it's pretty crazy. It's uncomfortable. That. Yeah, yeah, but we're talking about yeah the Pirates who will be probably drafting Kumar Rocker and getting three okay years out of him before they trade him for for the number twenty three prospect and the number twenty seven prospect and, in the San Francisco Giants system and their number four starter yeah <laughs> who's thirty six years old <laughs> whoever that may be uh, Jeff Samarja they're coming off a yeah 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 a guy a guy with like fifteen million dollars on his on one year of contracts like yeah we're yep. finally gonna spend some money yep let's take let's take a chance on samarja let's take a chance on let's the see shark. what he, let's see what he's still got in the tank yeah. you guys remember that 2014 season right hey maybe maybe you know Notre dame wide receiver maybe maybe he can play for the steelers that's what people will really care about yeah um but the pirates are coming off a year where they went 19 and 41 for the uh, worst record in baseball that's right and um you know, normally when you, if, if we told you a year ago today that the Pirates would have had a 41 loss year, that would have been pretty insane. We would have been like, no. No way. <laughs> they went, what would that be? Well, what if, I mean, what if we said they had a, what was it, a, seven, a 19 win season? Yeah. They went 19 and 143. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. 19 and 41. Yeah. That's, also the worst record in baseball so which we all knew was coming we all knew that they were going to be the worst team and uh, they did not improve in the offseason they traded their first baseman josh bell who was an all-star in 2019 they traded joe musgrove who was a productive right-handed starter and they traded jameson tyon jameson tyon who didn't uh, produce in 2020 because he had his second time at john by the way he has gone through so much in his career. Yeah, he's had cancer. Cancer and two Tommy Johns. Two Tommy, two Tommy John surgeries. Yeah. yeah, he's a guy you root for to succeed, even Absolutely. though he's on the Yankees. Absolutely. Um, and there were also some more guys that they lost. I don't think they really gained anyone significant outside of, of course, Chase and Shreve, uh, the big pin to drop in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what a, the last thing I have in the preview, the only real reason to watch this team is a key Brian. That's Hayes. what I, yeah. <laughs> uh, we both went with the safe pick there. But I, I have another guy. Like, Ooh. I wanted to mention him if neither of us mentioned him because no, I, I did it. The other would pick the guy. So, yeah, okay. Now, I'll start with Key Brian Hayes. He is probably the favorite for National League Rookie of the Year at this point. Yeah, he legit led the league and led the led among rookies and wins above replacement in like 24 games. Yeah, he did. I think he had 1.9 F4 or something like that, right? Yeah, I think so. That's wild. Uh, so one thing that I noticed about Key Brian Hayes outside of the obvious is that he established himself. Chris, I, I know that people won't be able to see this through a podcast, but if you want to go check, check out his baseball savant, 
his spray chart was predominantly to the right side of the field as a right hitter. That guy, he is, he is a guy who can hit to all fields, but most particularly he goes opposite field, which is, which is different. And uh, I think it's really impressive. Like if you look at his hit spray chart, which sprays up, shows up right there, that is more to the right side than it is to the left. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty interesting. So yeah, that's a, that's the sign of a, a pure hitter. Mm-hmm. You know, he had, you know, five home runs. I think it was like 1126 seven. OPS, I want to say. Yeah. And he hit 376. I was two points off. Uh, and even his expected batting average was very good at a nice 300 for expected batting average. But like, yeah. like I actually was looking at um, his on a, uh, on game logs, you can look at like some of his hits just like it's a 10 second clip of him hitting very good bat to ball skills. It seems mm-hmm. and like he can, he can find a spot in the diamond where there's a weak spot and, you know, put it right through. So he's very good in the pure hitting sense, but yeah, this guy is, is the reason to watch the pirates in 2021. Yeah. He's like their only top 10 MLB prospect and, you know, they're probably gonna have to wait on some guys, but yeah, that's uh key. Brian Hayes, one guy, uh, I will mention, you know, I'm going to mention him because not really to watch him, but if you're a fan of another team, he might be a guy that uh, will be traded the, at the deadline because he's a solid right-handed reliever, which is always being looked for. Uh, Richard Rodriguez. So this man, Richard Rodriguez, over the last three years, he has put up a 3.02 ERA, 3.72 FIP, and 3.9 strikeout to walk ratio in 158 innings. So not a very small sample size. And last year, his strikeout to walk ratio ranked seventh among 173 qualifying relievers. And he did not allow a run in his final 11 appearances. And that's what I'm talking about, Chris. Rodriguez is under control through 2023. And uh, he can be used as a good trade assets so you know you trade a guy with whatever two and a half years of control who uh is able that's a guy you can probably just fleece the pirates for yeah exactly yeah you could you could get a good deal for richard rodriguez yeah um but yeah he's a good reliever low threes era in the in the past uh three years he can strike guys out plenty he had over 13 strikeouts per nine last year and uh seventh among qualifying relievers in strikeout to walk ratio yeah so let's get into our questions now. He's a, he's a guy that can be traded, but yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a, a question for each team for each other. Um, you can go first. Okay. So uh, one guy I'd like to talk about, Brian Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, he had he was a, my guy to watch last year. He had a 130 weighted runs created plus in 2019 and a 72 weighted runs created plus in Will he have over or under a 99 and a half weighted runs created plus in 2021? So will he be an average hitter? Yes. I'm going to say no. I think he falls in like 95, 96 range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the Pirates question for me. And then mine, I'm going to talk about a guy who came up as a, as a highly touted prospect who did okay last year. And I'll get into his stats in a minute, Mitch Keller. So do you think that this is the year that Mitch Keller could step up and prove himself as a part of the Pirates' future? And uh, just for a reference, he had a 291 ERA with a 674 FIP in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> he, he almost had more walks per nine than strikeouts per nine. 
Um, Actually, I think he did. I think he had 7.5 strike walks per nine and 6.6 strikeouts per nine. Uh, do you know how old he is? He must be like mid 20s. 26, or... probably. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to say uh, no because the just Pirates pitching, you know? Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, that's valid. Uh, probably pretty good. I, I'm just going to say no. This year is not the year, but um, all the best to him. Uh, but yeah, now on to. The Milwaukee Brewers, uh, who, as a fourth place team, made the playoffs last they year. They did. Uh, they're coming off a year where they went 29 and 31. They added Colton Wong, uh, second baseman from the Cardinals. And Ryan Braun is still a free agent. You would think that he's probably going to go back, but he's not officially back in Milwaukee yet. But he is. Which is weird. He's, he's out there. Uh, so, who is your player to watch uh, from the Milwaukee? My Brewers? player to watch was just mentioned it is Colton Wong. Uh, this is, I think this is going to be a heavily under the radar ad for the Brewers. Uh, I think they, they're going to have to move. I, I mentioned this before, but they're going to have to move one of he or Kesson Hira to shortstop. Uh, Orlando Arcia might just be out of the lineup right now as a bench guy. Uh, he mm-hmm. hasn't really shown what they want to see yet in four years in the majors. So, one thing I wanted to talk about with Colton Wong is his defense. Remember when the Brewers infield defense was all weird with yep. like Moustakis and Shaw? Yeah. Colton Wong is going to give them some stability in the middle infield. Uh, since he lay, he leads all second basemen in defensive rating on fan graphs since 2019, since 2018, since 2017, since 2016, and since 2015. There so he go. has consistently put up great defensive season after great defensive season. With the Cardinals, he's not going to be doing that in Milwaukee. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, he's kind of underrated because of his defense. People mm-hmm. see the offense, and it's like – It's average. Uh, average, and then, yeah, add base running. But, yeah, the defense is very, very good. Uh, one guy I'm focusing on is solely because of his offense. Brewers, Brewers was a hard one to find, like, a player to watch because they just – they have a bunch of stars, and then – it's very, it's a very top-heavy team. Yeah, because of course you got you know Christian Yelich, who's won who won the MVP uh, three years ago, was a runner-up in 2019. You have Devin Williams, the most recent rookie of the year. Josh Hader, who won reliever of the year in 2019, and then yeah, there's there's a lot of weirdness outside of that. Uh, I'm looking at Daniel Vogelbach. Um, he very short sample in 67 play appearances. Uh, with Milwaukee, he hit 328 with a 987 OPS, and uh, he was a DH. But uh, the Brewers' first baseman last year was Jed Jerko. He's currently a free agent, so Vogelbach will probably be going and starting at first base and potentially bringing some pro- offense, more offense production to that position. Yeah, in I mean, 2021 American Family Insurance Park. His uh, I hate mm-hmm. I hate that name so much, wow. but it's a it's a band box. I like I, that is a very favorable park for left-handed power hitters, mm-hmm. and I think Daniel Vogelbach is going to thrive there. Yeah, that should be the case. He's got the power, you know. He's gonna like I think he's gonna be like a like a Joey Gallo type where he hits like two hundred eight with like a with like a five eighty slugging. Yeah, don't don't take that three twenty eight average into consideration. He's don't. a he's a big like all or nothing guy. Yeah, <laughs> he does walk a lot which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, like more home runs than singles next year. Yeah, probably. That type of player is uh, 
becoming a little more popular. Yeah. Um, so now we want to get into the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati. No, Red. we got to do the questions. All right, question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what question do you have? I'll go first this for time. Me? Yeah. Who has the better season, Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff? Oh wow! Wow. <laughs> we have the exact same question. Wow. <laughs> Look at That's that. The... <laughs> That's the. Uh... We're on the same wavelength here. This is what happens when you've been doing a show for a year and a half together. Oh, you get the exact same question. I mean, All right, you know what? You know what? Ask. Here we go. All right. On three, we're going to say it. One, uh, two, three, Woodward. Burns. Oh, <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Chris. Make your case. Uh, I feel like, I mean, Burn, Burns just shot up out of nowhere. He probably has better stuff. Uh, but Woodruff, I feel just has more experience and uh, he's been very consistently good. He's also been improving, you know, 2019 to 2020, he made an improvement in ERA. Um, I feel like he'll be uh, the most consistent. Uh, Burns is like, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see if Burns was better than Woodruff though. 21 season, he's going into his age 26. Uh, He's coming up of a 2-11 ERA on the full season with a 203 FIP. So he actually got unlucky. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's just about to hit his stride. So I am very much expecting a big year out of Corbin Burns. Yeah, he had he had an amazing run. Uh, he was, I think he was one of our how about that's. I don't know. It was, it was, it was so I know obvious. I had I know I had Woodruff as my last one. Yeah, he was he was so obviously good. I, I, I'm trying to we should I should find um like a, it was like a five start stretch or seven uh, I got start it. stretch. I got it. Where he was just absolutely insane. Yeah, it was his last. Uh, well, actually, let's not count the last one. Uh, from August 28th to September 19th, he started five games, went 4 and 0, 29 and two thirds innings, pitched with an 030 ERA. That is, uh, that is one earned run in, in almost 30 innings. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's. That's Devin Williams' season yep. in a uh, in a five start span, pretty, pretty much. Forty seven six walks, uh, no home runs. Um, yeah. It's it was yeah three eighty six OPS against. Crazy stretch of uh, of baseball there from from Burns, but yeah, and that was cool. Pretty pretty. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> we always worry about getting the same player when we when we go over people to watch for on teams. We've never considered having the same question. Yeah, no, that, that didn't happen last year. But second question of the year. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same exact, <laughs> same exact question. Wow. I feel like I feel like we might do it next time too. It's possible. Next team. Uh, so now we're talking about the Reds. Reds are coming off a year where they went thirty. Uh, the Cardinals finished below the Reds on my, on Baseball Reference. On Baseball Reference, it says the Reds finished seventh, which is weird because they had a worse seating in the playoffs. If you go to the if you go to the main page here, you want to click on that logo, right? No, 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 no. You click on the baseball reference logo, you're gonna see the Cincinnati Reds second. That's weird. I mean, um, it's very weird. I will just do the Reds now. It's fine. Yeah, because yeah, on teams on the team section, it's Cardinals Reds, huh? Yeah. Because uh, technically the Cardinals because they played less games had a higher winning percentage than the Reds. So, yeah, yeah it's all a, it's all weird because the Cardinals a, just had to go out to a casino. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was unfortunate. But yeah, the Reds are coming off a 31-29 and 29 year. Uh, over the offseason, they lost a lot of guys. They lost the 2020 NL Cy Young winner, Trevor Bauer. They also lost a right-handed starter, Anthony Desclafani. I think they non-tendered him. Um, they did. They lost Art, uh, reliever Archie Bradley. Their closer, they traded uh, Russ Rizel uh, Iglesias and... They also lost their shortstop, Freddie Galvis. Uh, they added left-handed reliever, Sean um, So who do you have for the player to watch? So you mentioned Trevor Bauer leaving in free agency, and I think there's another starting pitcher that's going to step up for them, and it's Tyler Male. Yeah, he, he kind of came out of nowhere last year. He did, and I'm going to talk about the end of his season like we did with Burns. He had a 312 ERA as a starter, as a starter, he did have some time as a reliever where he struggled, but 312 ERA as a starter between the months of August and September of last year. And one thing that I thought was kind of interesting was uh, in 2019, he decided to just completely abandon throwing a slider after throwing it 25% of the time in 2018. And in 2020, he brought it back and threw it 32.4% of the time. So he went from not, it's not even in the mixture to it's the second most used pitch of mine the first, the most behind my fastball and opponents ended up hitting 180 against it. Wow. So it was a very efficient pitch for him, which is, it's very weird that he didn't have it in 2019, but clearly he's a better. So I would say watch for his slider because there was a time where clearly he didn't have any confidence in it or a pitching coach didn't. Yeah. That's the uh, behind the scenes stuff that you'd like to know, like what happened there. Exactly. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty crazy that, He's able to do that. Um, a guy, my player to watch from the Reds, uh, a guy who I'm thinking might take over the closer role, who, which uh, is now open because Rizal Iglesias is no longer on the team, Lucas Sims. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. He's a guy, last year had a 2.45 ERA, 11.9 strikeouts per nine, and a 3.1 strikeout to walk ratio in 25 and two thirds innings pitch last year. And there's actually consideration that even with that 245 ERA, might have gotten unlucky, not because of his fit, but because of his expected ERA. His expected ERA was 2.26. Uh, and his expected WOBA was 29 points below his actual WOBA against. So Baseball savant signifying he might have gotten a little unlucky, even though he was very good already. Uh, and from his uh, baseball savant percentiles, his ex woba against was in the 98th percentile, expected ERA in the 98th percentile, expected batting average in the 99th percentile, wow. expected slugging in the 99th percentile, fastball spin in the 99th percentile, and curveball spin in the 100th percentile so he's got the stuff he had the results last year could have even been better if you know the ball bounced different ways but he's a guy i think probably will be taking over the closer role uh next in this uh 2021 season although amir garrett might be able to do it as well that's for sure so uh, i guess we'll get into questions now um both of us talked about pitchers. You talked about a reliever. I talked about a starter. My question is about the offense. You actually asked me the same question, but for a different player earlier. Over under, 
99.5 weighted runs created plus for Nick Senzel. Nick Senzel. Uh, do you have what it was last year? It was not 100. It's never, it was 57. 57. Yeah, but he came up as a top, he was came up as like a top five prospect. Yeah, I think I remember talking about him last year, wondering if I think it was gonna... 72 the first year he was in the majors, then 57. Yeah. Um, yeah, OPS plus is probably going to be similar. Yeah, 87, 57. Uh, that's OPS plus, not weighted runs created plus, but still. Hey, he's the same. Uh, he's a better OPS plus than Omar Vizquel. Oh, look at that. Huh. Uh, yeah, I guess it was 87 in 2019, so it's possible. He's going into his age 26 season. He, is, he hasn't played a full season yet. Um, is he known more for his defense? Yes. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say under still. Okay. Uh, I mean, he might get there eventually, but he he probably has a similar career path to like Jackie Bradley Jr. Maybe I could see that. Like maybe in a year or so, he'll get to that threshold. But I think he'll be under 99.5 uh, this year in 2021. I'm sorry, Mr. Senzel. Yeah. If you're listening, so um, maybe I. Uh, spoiled my opinion for this, but after the departure of Rizal Iglesias, who will have the most saves for the Reds in ah, 2021? I think it's still going to be Amir Garrett. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's going to go into the season as the closer, and I think he'll do a fine enough job to keep it. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's, he does seem to have that closer mentality as he well. He does. Absolutely. I mean, if there is nothing that screams closer mentality more than literally fighting the, the, the greater Pittsburgh area. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he would have taken to the streets on the club every single citizen of that city off of it that night yeah exactly man that that was that moment made 2019 that, it did i mean that was back when things were normal <laughs> yeah july uh and like july like, july through yeah th- those like four days because like just a few days before that was when trevor boward <laughs> hucked that ball over the over the fountain in uh or over the wall in kansas city yeah that was all right around the trade deadline. It was it was such a weird time because like in that time, Bauer did that. He ended up getting traded later in during that game, and also Stroman got traded to the Mets, and everyone was so confused as to what they were doing. I was yep. like the only one that was optimistic from the Mets side, and I think that holds up to this day. Yeah, and you know, of course, Puig fighting for a team that he no longer he plays no longer for. is playing for. Yep. <laughs> Wow. I mean, yeah, that was great. But <laughs> but yeah, you're saying Amir Garrett will have the most saves. That's, oh, yeah. that's a quality prediction. Um, now get into the Cardinals, who are coming off a 30-28 and 28 year. They lost uh, Brad Miller, who was a quality DH for them. Colton Wong, who we've mentioned before, one of the best gloves uh, in the game. Uh, Austin Gomber, who they gave up in the Nolan Arenado trade. He was a quality reliever for them last year, and they also lost Dexter Fowler, who was a free agent disappointment for them out of uh, center field, but he will no longer be playing center field for the Cardinals. But the big one, they added Nolan Arenado, uh, one of the best third basemen in the game uh, and owner of a $260 million contract. Yes. But, yeah, who is your player to watch this might be a little the St. Louis Cardinals. This might be a little surprising. This like this might be someone who you'd think I'm skeptical of. I'm going to say Dakota Hudson yeah. as mine. Uh, he has been slowly fixing the walk issue. 
-hmm. And last in teenagers in walks per nine with a 4.48. And in 2020, he ended up being 92nd in walks per nine out of 126 starting pitchers with at least 30 innings. So he's not completely out of the, out of the woods yet, but his walks per nine went from 4.48 to somewhere around 3.5 between 2019 and 2020. I'd love to see the strikeout numbers go up still, but I'm optimistic that Dakota Hudson can slowly keep getting better between uh, 2020 and 2021. Yeah. In terms of results, because we still know that he has a really good ERA for his career. Yeah. In terms of on the field results, he's been amazing. Yeah. A 3.17 ERA, a 133 ERA plus it's just, you know, what alarms a lot of people is the FIP and, you know, the expected ERA, but he hasn't run into those problems that people have suspected yet. So, yeah. you know, and I think he's, he has been slowly, you know, like I said, he's slowly fixing the walk issue. Uh, his walk, I know 3.5 walks per nine still isn't good, but it's a hell of a lot better than 4.4 or 5.9. Yeah. And, you know, I know 2018 and 2020 are small sample size, but Every year, his strikeouts per nine has increased. Every year, his walks per nine has decreased. Yep. So very good sign there uh, from Dakota Hudson. So yeah, uh, someone to look for. And, you know, in, in an old rotation outside of Flaherty, it's, uh, he's a good young guy to have. He's exactly. heading into his age 26 season. Uh, my guy to look for, I mean, he's kind of a guy that people already talk about, but I think he's taken some steps up. Uh, Harrison Bader. Uh, he's the he's the guy that is manning center field for the Cardinals. Uh, he was, uh, if you don't know about his defensive ability, he was top ten in outs above average in among all fielders in both 2018 and 2019, and had a very good year defensive year in 2020 as well. Had his best offensive year in 2020, I think. And that, that's that's what I'll I'll get into. But yeah, like. 2020 panned out in a full year he probably would have been top 10 and house above average again you know he's a guy who you know a gold glove will probably be coming his way eventually uh also last year put up a 779 ops 111 ops plus and 113 weighted runs created plus meaning he was more than 10 percent above average offensively so a guy that's more than 10 percent above average offensively and probably will be getting better and a guy who is elite defensively that's a very productive player and uh you know attention should be going his way for his production you know he could probably be getting a four or five win season uh, this year so now into our questions about the cardinals so my mine is a two-parter here um who produces a higher ops between paul goldschmidt and nolan arenado and Paul Goldschmidt over or under 870.899. Wait, 879.5 OPS. I did that. I did the 880 question as well, because just because it's a meme. It is a meme. <laughs> we should we should explain that one. Yeah. Um, Answer the question first, though. Goldschmidt and Arenado. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people are going to be concerned that Arenado is going to be playing away from Coors Field. And you know what? And, you know, Goldschmidt's a good hitter as well. So I, I can't, this isn't completely discrediting Arenado, but I think Goldschmidt, I would will, go with have, Goldschmidt as well. will have the uh, higher OPS. Yeah. Um, and 879.5. <laughs> uh, 
Dang. Um, even though I'm saying his uh, OPS will be better than Arenado's, I think his OPS will be below 879.5. Okay. Uh, what What would you say for the uh, Goldschmidt line? I'll, I'll put it at 881. 881. <laughs> Above. So you should explain the context there. Uh, so in uh, season predictions last year, I really I made a real arbitrary number. I should have had it at 900, but <laughs> I said Paul, Paul Goldschmidt is going to. I think I said I think the um, the weight of the Cardinals uh, division chances lies with uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and I wanted him to lead the offense. And I said if his OPS was below 880, uh, the Cardinals would not win the division, and if it was above 880 they would win the division. Very weird number to put it at, but I did that. And, you know, heading into the last game of the His season. His last at bat. Last at bat of the season. It's at exactly 880. Or, yeah, yeah, what, it was 880 or 878 or something like that. Yeah. So if he gets out. Uh, and they, uh, is, they already had not won the division. Yeah, the Cubs had already won the division. If he is not out, or if he gets out, I am correct. If he gets a hit, I am incorrect. And uh, he hits a, a long single off the right field wall. Yep. And his OPS was 883. And the Cardinals did not win the division. So Chris was dead wrong. I was so wrong that I was on old. I mean, old Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt did everything he needed to do. Yeah. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter took that. Took that clip. Put it on old takes exposed. Um, I was trending. Yeah. It, I, it was like a Skip Bayless moment. You'll never live that one down. Yeah. It was like when uh, Skip Bayless said that Josh Freeman was going to be a better quarterback than I think <laughs> I forget like Andrew Luck or something like that. That was tough. It, it was bad. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the uh, that's the Paul Goldschmidt meme that we have that will probably live on for a while. Hopefully, um, if 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 he stays around that level of offensive production, <laughs> that that question will be asked every single year. <laughs> will he do it? <laughs> Man, I hope it's I hope it's like eight seventy seven this year. Yeah, he just balances it out. But yeah, um, and now we get into our uh, final team, the, the Chicago Cubs. This was my sleeper team from last year. Yeah, and they and they won the division, like like you said they would. Uh, they are coming off a thirty four and twenty six year. They won the division, but uh, they had the worst record of all the division winners. So that's kind of why we're sleeping on the NL Central. Yeah. Uh, they, but their off season didn't go well. Uh, they lost Hugh Darvish, John Lester, Jeremy Jeffress, uh, who was their closer uh, towards the end of the year. Jason Kipnis, who was a very productive second baseman for them, I believe. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, one of their biggest prospects from a few years ago and a decent DH slash just a decent bat. And uh, of course, MVP vote getter Ryan Tapera also not with yep. the team anymore uh not a legit like it was an accident that he got in it, got mvp votes they added uh trevor williams jake arietta and jock peterson so definitely safe to say they lost more than they gained uh but what uh what player do you have on deck for the cubs i'm throwing a hail mary for this one chris my player for the Cubs is a starting pitcher who 
I think is going to establish himself as a name in Chicago in 2021. I am talking about Adbert Alzale. Wow. Yeah. I'm talking about Albert Alzale. He only pitched 21 in the third innings last year. He only made four starts and six appearances, but he was once a top 100 prospect and he needs to contain his walks. That's the only thing. But if he can do that, he could be an elite pitcher. Uh, Last year, he struck out 12.2 batters per nine innings and uh, his, and he walked 5.5, which is not good, but his K percentage X slugging and X batting average were all in the top nine percentile in the league. So Adbert Alzale, starting pitcher, look for him on the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, Someone to look for because yeah, that starting rotation is depleted now without you Darvish who, uh, finished second in the Cy Young vote last year and John Lester, who was, you know, not, not in his best days, but was an innings eater for the, uh, for the Cubs. So yeah, now it's kind of depleted this one, the the Cubs, I kind of took a chance. I took an opportunity to just show some love to a guy I'm a fan of, you know, he's pretty established on the Cubs. He's very good. Uh, Kyle Hendricks. I just wanted to talk about how good he's been and why, He's still a solid number one option. It's just, the... by the way, Chris is a fan of anyone who pitches like Greg Maddox. Yes. Uh, big, fa- big fan of low velocity, uh, very good location, low walks per nine type, type guys. Marco Gonzalez. Let's do Mar- that for you. Marco Gonzalez, Hyunjin Ryu, Kyle Hendricks. So since 2016, Ryan Weber. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Weber. <laughs> uh, since 2016, Kyle Hendricks has put up a 3.00 ERA and 3.6 uh, FIP in 787 innings pitch. Now, I will say I understand that his FIP, his 3.6 FIP, is probably more representative of his ability because he's had some good defenses behind him, so he's probably gotten some more, um, more better play from his defense than your average pitcher would. Um, but even with his FIP being that way, it's still very good. Uh, there are 25 pitchers who have 700 plus innings pitched since 2016. Hendricks ranks fifth out of those 25 in ERA and ninth in FIP. So still top 10 in FIP uh, of those 25 pitchers, uh, ninth to be exact. And since 2016, Hendricks has had four qualifying seasons with an ERA below 3.5, which is tied with Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer such seasons since 2016 and since 2016 there are only five pitchers to have four qualifying seasons with a FIP of less than 3.9 those five pitchers are Zach Greinke, Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander and Kyle Hendricks. Uh, Hendricks uh, yeah all four yeah they all have four such seasons since 2016 and Max Scherzer is the only pitcher to have five seasons, five such seasons since 2016 with a, uh, with a FIP of less than 3.9 in a qualifying season. A lot, a lot of words out there. But basically the gist of that is, you know, e- even, with his, uh, w- even with his FIP being a little higher, it's still, he's still in pretty good company in terms of where he's at there. So I just wanted to to show, show some love to him because it's really like him isn't great not coming up they're aging a little bit uh the 
the good players are the players that are kind of already established, but you know, some there's a there's a diamond in the rough maybe with uh Hendricks. With Al or Alze or what was his name? Albert Alzale. Alzale. <laughs> um, so there's potential there. But I just wanted to give a chance to talk about Kyle Hendricks because he's a little underappreciated. Sure. Um, and I just wanted to talk about him. But yeah, and now we get into the questions of I'll go first again. Yeah. So one thing I referenced earlier about this team is that I just don't see anyone producing a career year except for Advert Alzale. Mm-hmm. Um, who on this team do you think has the best chance of producing a career year in 2021? A career year? Yeah. Um, the best chance. Um, that's very because you look at a lot of the guys on this team it feels like a lot of them if not all of them have already peaked especially on the main core like it's hard to imagine brian and rizzo being any better than they were in 16 it's hard to imagine Baez being any better than he was in 18 it's hard to imagine ian hat being better than he was in 2020 um you know i'll i'll actually say uh ian hat okay yeah i think he's going up he it's the best chance of going sure up. sure um yeah because yeah i don't yeah exactly even though a lot of them are going into contract years, it's still hard to see them. It's still hard to see like Bryant outproduce an MVP season that he already had. Exactly. Or like Rizzo outproduce one of his seasons where he had like a 930 OPS. Hard to see that. Uh, my question is uh, both members of the Rizzo Corp are headed into contract years. Which member will have the highest OPS? Ah. Uh. I think Bryant, because I think Bryant is good. Is I think Chris Bryant has a higher anticipated free agency. Yep. So I think he's going to use that as motivation and figure it out. I mean, he's also younger, and you know, he's. I think he has a higher ceiling from now until the end of his career than Rizzo does. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of in the like yeah. Rizzo is very clearly past his peak years. I think Chris Bryant could still have some peak years left in him. I don't think he's going to have a single season that's any better than 2016, but he can have like a second, third, fourth best career season in 2021. Yeah, heading into heading into free agency because he's still in his late 20s. Uh, Rizzo's past his 30s, but yeah. Yeah. All right, so I guess that does it for it does. this week's episode. Not really a news episode necessarily. We talked about some news, but little preview episode uh so we hope you enjoyed this episode if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore deonta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram daniel underscore current and follow the show instagram at above replacement radio for all the updates and what's going on with that and we hope you enjoyed this news slash preview episode of above replacement radio and we hope to see you on thursday where we're going to be talking about Hank Greenberg.